Well, good morning. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, the Gospel of Luke chapter 10. If you don't have a traditional Bible but you'd like one, just raise your hand and one of my friends will bring you one. You can either borrow that or you can keep it. It's our gift to you. Or you can take your digital device and open the YouVersion app. Or it's also called the Bible app. And all the notes and scriptures have already been uploaded. If you are watching us live on our online campus or one of our many services at the Brown County Correctional Facility, love you guys. So glad that you're a part of our family. And I love you guys. So glad that you are a part of our family. Give yourselves a hand for coming out on the first Sunday of a new decade. 2020. I read a thing this morning that said, don't shorten 2020. I'm not sure why. I don't know why we can't just put 20, but apparently maybe we'll forget what millennium it is or something. I don't know, but it's welcome to 2020. Happy New Year. I hope that you haven't broken all of your resolutions yet. As Pastor Sonny said, I didn't even know that resolutions were going to go out of style. And so I already learned something at church today. Uh, I love the holidays, but I really love the new year. Isn't it nice to get back into a routine? Like, aren't the holidays so busy? They're, they're so hectic. You buy the presents, you wrap the presents, you open the presents, you return the presents. <laughs> you get the decorations out, you put the decorations up, you take the decorations down, you put the decorations away. <laughs> you visit your family, her family, his family, their family, all the family. It's all so busy, all so Hectic. Sometimes it's overscheduled, overdone, totally overwhelming. Honestly, sometimes, y'all, it's just exhausting. And it's one of the reasons why we take the beginning of every year and we just shut some things down, shut some things off. We slow it down. And we do that by fasting with which is really just abstaining from, it's really just depriving ourselves of something, depriving ourselves of anything. It could be Facebook, Diet Coke, Candy Crush, cigarettes, alcohol, Netflix, meat, whatever it may be. Like for all of the people who are on our team, we're kind of doing something different this year. Typically, uh, I mandate what they fast. And then coming into the end of this past year, I felt like God was like, is it really significant if you're the one that chooses what other people do? And so rather than mandating, like the last couple of years, we've required everyone on our team to spend the first portion of every year on a liquid-only fast where they, they can't eat any food. And for some of them, that backfired because for some of them, they felt like they could just take things that shouldn't be liquefied and they could liquefy them, things like pizza and spaghetti. And we learned that spaghetti doesn't go good in a juicer. And it's like, why not a blender? But anyway, so I just was like, okay, God, well, why don't we just let the people pick what it is that they want to fast? And I really felt if you watched our... Christmas presentation, I really felt like the Lord challenged me to even take a, a little bit step further and that he would have me to fast for the first tenth, the first for, to give a tithe of my year, the first 10% of 2020, so 36 and a half days, and to give that in a fast. But, but so lots of the, like all of the people who were on our team were all fasting, uh, were fasting different things, but what we're on is we're on a corporate fast. And the reason that we're fasting as a team is we're fasting for you. We're fasting for your health. We're fasting for your spirituality. We're fasting for your marriages. We're fasting for your finances. We're fasting for your well-being. We're fasting 
for your peace. We're fasting different things, but what we're doing is we are fasting for you. And one of the things that we wanted to do this year, and I'm so excited that our team put this out, and you'll be able to get this at the end of the service, either at the Welcome Center or at two tables outside each door, is that there is a, a devotional, the prayer and fasting devotional, 21 days of prayer and fasting. And then we're also going to open up the auditorium here in the De Pere site from noon until 1221. And you can go on our app and on our website and get this schedule for that. But we just wanted to take some time and really hone in, really focus in. We would take a percentage of our year and we'd abstain from some things. We'd hold back from some things. And the reason why we do that, the reason why we fast is because it helps us go slow. So today, in this hectic, busy, overscheduled, overworked, overwhelmed culture, I want to share with you a message that we're calling Slow Your Roll. Let's pray. God, we love you. We honor you. We're grateful to you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you do. God, thank you that all of the things in our lives are significant to you. All of the things in our lives are important to you. And so today, for my friends who are in this place, for my friends who are on the other side of a screen, my friends who, who are all over the world looking for something significant, I pray that they would find that in you. God, people who are searching, striving, seeking something, let them find you. God, I pray today when we leave this place, we'll be less like us and we'll be more like you, that you would make us small and you would make us big as we slow our roll. In Jesus' name, amen. So I have the benefit of I actually have a job that I really love. I, I love my job. In fact, I don't even really consider this a job. If I could do anything else in the world, I can't think of what that would be. And, and there are so many benefits. When you're in a position that you love, there are so many benefits to that. And, and one of the benefits of my job is I get to talk to a lot of people. Uh, yesterday, I took my daughter to Target, which, you know, when you live in Green Bay, that's basically your mall. <laughs> we went to Target and we walked around and we were, we were getting some stuff. I needed a bigger trash can for her room. And so we're walking around and somehow the trash can accumulated things, things that just came, jumped off the shelf, things that, that, that we needed. And so I thought maybe we should be fasting Target. And so we're walking around uh, Target with the can and we saw so many people who we knew and just got to say, hi, hey, how are you? Have these little conversations. And sometimes I think, I wonder if my kids look at that and, and they're like, yay, just can we go to the checkout because we want to hit the Starbucks. I love it. I love when people come up to me and have little conversations. And uh, like I've said this previously in other messages, uh, don't be weird to me. Like we're, I'm just like a normal, I'm the same guy as you. I just have a different job. And so like if, like if let's say you worked at Target and I saw you and you were putting stuff on the shelf. Can you imagine if I And I don't ever say words. I just mouth them. Don't, it's, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't. That's, it's weird for you. If you could see yourself, do, if you could see how you looked doing that. If I could take out my phone. And, and so don't be offended if you do that and I video you and then show it to you. Because I just want to be weird with you. And so, so I love when people see me and they just come up and they have these 
interesting conversations with me because you never know when opportunity is going to present itself. And so one of the things I love is I do get to talk to a lot of people, old people, young people, rich people, poor people, professionals and homemakers. I get to talk to Republicans, Democrats, undecideds, women, men, undecideds. I, I get to talk to lots of people who have a lot of differences, but almost all have one thing in common. They're almost all exhausted. They're almost all overscheduled, overwhelmed. They're almost all under pressure. And I've been there. I've been stressed out. I've been strung out in more ways than one. I've been completely and totally wrecked. I've been totally shot. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I don't want to be there again. And you know what I know about you is that you don't want to be there either. And so I asked God, what is the cure? What is the, the antidote to the thing that ails us? And I felt so clearly that the Holy Spirit said, tell your friends that you need to slow your roll. I mean, I mean, who do we really think we are anyway? I mean, like, for most of my adult life, I actually had an identity crisis. I thought I was important. For most of my adult life, I was so busy trying to be who everyone else thought I should be that I forgot who I was designed to be. I, I was unable, or maybe it was that I was unwilling to say no to anyone other than the people I should have been saying yes to. And, and so one day, I decided that I would just slow my roll. I determined the world will not end if I don't do what other people want me to do. And, and so I decided that I would just get my priorities back in order. And I, I've talked about this, I mean, ad nauseum. If you've known me for the last five years, you've heard me talk about this. You've heard Pastor Sonny talk about this. Pastor Sonny wrote about this in the Jesus Plus Life book. We've talked about it at Men's Retreat, which, by the way, if you're a guy and you haven't signed up for Men's Retreat, please do because it's dope. It's not weird. And it's like she's talked about it at Women's Retreat. And, like, there's something that the Holy Spirit was just like, you need to get yourself lined out. And I actually wrote them down. And so I thought for all of you who need a reminder or for all of you who have never seen these, these are my top five priorities. I, I call them my fave five. And here's what they are. Number one, the number one priority in my life is Jesus. And that should come as no surprise, but I think a lot of people say that, but they don't really live it. I think a lot of people say that Jesus is their top priority because it's kind of like peer pressure. We, we kind of get bullied into it. Like if you're a church person and, and you were to say, well, you know, I love Jesus, but he's like my seventh priority. People would be like, oh, what? Oh, my God, you're going to hell. And like so for me, I realized that for like the first two decades of my, you know, Jesus journey that maybe this wasn't true. And so maybe I should try to reevaluate and try to determine if Jesus actually was going to be my top priority. And, and you know, probably, uh, probably five years ago, I really felt like I figured out a way to make that a reality. And so for me, the top priority of my life, I can honestly say, is Jesus. And then the second one, sometimes it uh, rubs people the wrong way. The second priority of my life is myself. I'm a, I'm an, I am important to myself. And we live in a culture that would tell you that that is arrogant, but that's not. That's actually helpful not only to you, it's helpful to others. Because here's what I've discovered. Sometimes I ignore this. And when I ignore this, all the other stuff, there is a, a butterfly effect. There is a ripple effect. It is like a pebble in a lake. And, and the ripples and waves that go out from that are detrimental to the people who are underneath me on the list. And so when I'm not paying attention to myself, which sometimes I do, can I be completely honest? 2019 was kind of a bad year for me. 
in the self-focus area. I was focused on so many other things, on so many other people, that there are some things that just went ignored in me. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not content with where I am from a physical basis. And so sometimes what that does is that creates envy in me. Sometimes I look at people who are very fit and I don't want to look at them anymore because they make me sick. <laughs> but really they only make me sick because they remind me of of what I ignored for that year. It's amazing how fast you can get to a place that you don't want to be and how long it takes to get where you want to be. And so sometimes I have ignored this, and then that is a detriment. Like it can hurt my marriage. It can hurt my relationship with my kids. It can hurt my relationship with you. And so I had to determine that it goes Jesus and then me, and then it goes Sonny. And Sonny is my third priority. And my kids know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I love Sonny more than I love them. That I, I love my kids, like undyingly love, I'm over the moon about my kids. But if, like if I had to choose, she was here first and she'll be here later. And so I, I love her, because here's the thing, I'm not going to be old and sitting around a house going, who are you? Mm-mm, nope, devil is a liar, that ain't happening. And when my, like when my kids leave and go to school or when my kids leave and go get married, I'm not going to be living with a stranger because I will have prioritized her above them. But here's my fourth priority is them. There's no one else on earth other than Sonny and me that is more important to me than my kids. And then number five is my parents and Sonny's parents. And then like I could go longer. I mean, there, there is a list, the list goes on. And, and as I analyzed my priorities, I discovered that prior to making this list, I was prioritizing people who weren't meant to be my priority. And so I determined that I would adjust my priorities by adjusting who I disappointed. Because in every decision, someone is going to be disappointed. The question is just who? And so I prayed about this. Can I honestly tell you that? I mean, I prayed about this. And so I determined that the person who would be disappointed would be you. <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> Aren't you glad you came to church today? Aren't you? But this is your first time? Welcome. What you learn at church today? Well, I learned I'm not very important is the one thing that I learned. I'm not even, listen, hey, can I be honest though? Like you're in my top 10. But somebody has to be disappointed it had to be you. And honestly, all joking aside, it was really painful for me, particularly professionally. Because one of the big downfalls of most pastors is we are invariably people pleasers. And so we make commitments we don't want to make to people we don't actually want to make them to. We make commitments to people who quite honestly will come and go from our lives, but rob ourselves of the time to make commitments to the people who will be in our lives for the long haul. And you do it too. But for me, it was a big adjustment to tell people I can't do their weddings or I can't come to all their graduations. I, I can't visit everybody's grandma in the hospital. And that was difficult for me because I didn't want people, frankly, to be disappointed with me. And so what I, what I did for so long is I would steal that time from someone else. I would steal that time from Jesus or, or from myself, from Sonny, or from my kids until one day, quite frankly, during a fast, I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, you have got to choose who you'll disappoint. Because on your deathbed, bro, are you going to regret not doing somebody's wedding 
or not going to your son's game or your daughter's play. And when I started to shift my priorities, God started to shift my perspective. He said, slow your roll. Sean, check your ego. I didn't call you to build my church. That's my job. I didn't even call you to win the lost. That's my job. What I did call you to do is love me, love yourself, love your spouse, love your kiddos if you're blessed with them, and love your folks. Those are the roles I need you to fill. And if you'll fill those roles, you can become Jesus with skin on. And it doesn't matter if you're a pastor or if you work on the assembly line. It doesn't matter what vocation God has placed you in. It doesn't matter what mission field God has placed you on. Those are the roles that he's called you to fill. But you're so busy doing your, his job that you're not doing your job. And you know what? We all do it. You may not perform weddings or visit hospitals, but you work too many hours so you can buy cars you can't afford, go on vacations you can't enjoy, wear clothes you don't even like, just so someone else will give you what only God can give you in the end. And that's approval. And so today, I say to you, slow your roll. I, I just had this really cool opportunity for Christmas. Sonny bought me tickets to go to the Citrus Bowl. And um, it's uh, Michigan against Alabama. And my son Isaiah is a big Alabama fan. So this was like, man, you're basically buying me for Christmas a memory. And, and so we went to, the game was in Orlando, and we went to Orlando, and, you know, my best friend who was here last week, uh, Uncle Alan, and Uncle Alan was here, which, by the way, I noticed he didn't carry anybody across the stage, but he did awkwardly put his face really close to people. I was like, <laughs> awkward. It's like, I wish we knew each other better. And so, like, we went to Uncle Alan's house, because he, he lives in Daytona, and it's an hour from Orlando, and we, we went to the game, and, and then we went back to the Orlando airport to fly home. And I noticed something that is unique in Orlando that maybe the only other place I've ever seen it is in Las Vegas, is such fatigue. You go to the airport, and people look like they just fought 14 rounds with Mike Tyson and lost. They're like, especially dads. Dads are like, like you see a dad in security line with some kids, he's shot. Like if he's going home, it's a wrap. He's had all he can have. He's got the Mickey Mouse balloon with whatever it is inside of it. He's got the cup that he spent $17 on so he could pay $14 for a refill. You know what I mean? He's done. He saved up five years. He said, shut your, get in line. Now, quit that carry. You know, and it's just like, oh, and I thought, this is people. People in life look like the dad at the airport line at the Orlando airport after the, the, the trip that he saved up five years for is over and he had like zero enjoyment of it. And like, is that what you want to be? Do you want to walk through life looking like you're so burdened down? One of the things I love most about Jesus is that Jesus understood that there were times where he had to slow it down. Now, if you read through Scripture, there's something interesting you're going to discover about Jesus. Jesus didn't actually have all that many friends. He had followers, I mean, lots of followers. He definitely would have been verified on Instagram. But friends, 
I mean, he had 12 dudes. Not even all 12 of those dudes were his friends. Let's just be frank about that. These were guys he was training, but they weren't all of his friends. He knew one of them was going to sell him out. You know how that feels. Don't elbow anybody. Like he just, he had 12 dudes who followed him. Thousands of people actually who followed him many places, but didn't really have that many friends. Scripture says that he had like an inner circle among his disciples. He had three dudes that he was really close to, Peter, James, and John. One of them, John, who wrote the Gospel of John in the book of Revelation, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. He really, really loved John. Now, John was the one who wrote those words, so take them into perspective. But like, he had an inner circle, Peter, James, and John. And then he had like this one family, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. You remember Lazarus? We talked about him. He was dead. So obviously he really liked Jesus. He felt indebted to him. And so I love how the Gospel of Luke tells a story of a time when Jesus decides to slow down just by hanging out with his friends. Watch this. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and she asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to get up and help me. Martha, Martha, Jesus answered. You are so worried and upset about so many things. But few of those are needed. Or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So here's the scene. Jesus has been working, like he's been teaching and preaching, healing and feeding. He's been debating with and defending against critics. Incidentally, they were religious people because religious people seem to have the biggest problem with Jesus. And so Jesus has been debating, he's been defending, he's been working, he's been laboring, and he is ready to take a load off. He's ready to just chill. So he stops by his friend's house so he can talk and laugh and unwind. As soon as Jesus gets there, one of the sisters immediately sits down, but the other sister immediately stresses out. And she goes into the kitchen, she starts cooking, and, you know, I picture her, because I, I live in the scriptures. If you read the scriptures, you should live in them. You should deposit yourself in the scriptures and get like a 360-degree view to it. And so I picture Martha, like a lot of ladies who I know, who, you remember, remember Thanksgiving and whoever was cooking the food was making the most noise. They wanted all, they wanted maximum pan volume. And the, the pans are, wanted you to know that while you're watching football, I'm putting my hand inside of a turkey and I'm doing it for you. Really, they're doing it for them. And so I picture like Martha's in there and she's clanging stuff together and she's making sure that the ice is really clinking in the glasses. And, uh, and while she's cooking, she's stressing. But while she's stressing, Jesus and her sister are kicking it. And Jesus is cracking jokes, and Jesus is telling stories. And while Jesus is telling stories, Mary is listening, and she's laughing, which makes Martha even more mad because she wants other people to be miserable with her because misery loves company. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And after a few minutes, she had had all that she could. She's like, Papa, it's all I can stands and I can't stands no more. And Martha comes out and she snaps on Jesus, y'all. Because I'm picturing she wasn't quiet. If she'll bang some pans, she'll yell at the Savior. So she comes out and she says, Lord, don't you care that my sister, you ever yell at people in third person? Don't you care that she is over here? She doesn't never do nothing, Jesus. From the time we were little, she's always been my parents. She's having a life skills moment right 
right now is all I'm telling you. From the time we were little, I've never liked her. I can't stand to look at her face. You ever ask somebody, her nostrils are too big for her head. You ever have people that just say stupid stuff when they're mad? And so she comes out, she, you tell her that she needs to help. Now, if I were Jesus, which luckily I'm not, you should always be grateful that I am not Jesus. Because if I were Jesus, I would have snapped. I would have been like, excuse me? <laughs> oh, hold up. <laughs> hold up. Just, just a minute here. Hold my robe, Mary. <laughs> like, I don't know who you think you are, Martha. I, I, I don't know who you think I am. I know you didn't, but that's not how Jesus reacts because he's not me. Because Jesus, he didn't escalate. He says her name twice, which is interesting. Because when I used to read it, I used to read it real quick like, like he was being sarcastic because I'm sarcastic. Like he was shaking his head so disappointed in her like, Martha, Martha. But now I picture it like this. She came out, she's bugging, she's yelling, she's going crazy. And Jesus just says, Martha, pause as she keeps yelling. Martha, why are you tripping? You're so worried about so many things. Why are you so overwhelmed? Y'all, I actually think this was why Jesus came. Why are you so stressed out? I didn't even ask you to serve me. I never asked you to cook for me. If I wanted food, I could make some food. You know I fed 5,000 people with a filet of fish and a hot cake, right? Like, <laughs> I didn't come here to eat. I came here just so I could see y'all. Just so I could slow down. Why are you making this more complicated than it needs to be? Why are you making Mary and me the problem? Martha, you created this problem on your own. But now you're insulting Mary and trying to infect everyone else with your insecurities. Could you just slow your roll? Martha, why are you trying to shrink me down to your size? Why are you trying to box me in? You know what's funny is this story happens right after another famous story that we think we know a lot about called the story of the Good Samaritan. And, and, and we think we know this story, but you got to hear this. This is verse 25, same chapter. It says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up and he tried to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What's written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, okay, well, who's my neighbor then? In reply, Jesus tells a story because this is Jesus' jam. Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, and they went away, leaving him half dead. Then it sounds like a bad joke, right? A priest, a rabbi, and a... So he says, a priest happened to go down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed to the other side. But a Samaritan, ooh, Samar they hated Samaritans. Samaritans were the one people. They wouldn't even go in Samaria, y'all. Like they would, they, when they journeyed, they would walk around the whole region because they hated those people so bad. They never talked 
to Samaritans. And so Jesus says, but a Samaritan, (laughs) as he traveled, he came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, he bandaged his wounds, he poured oil and wine on them. And then, then he put the man on his own donkey. He brought him to an inn to take care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper. He said, look after him. If, if there's any extra expenses, I'll pay you back when I return. Which of these three do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell on the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Now, I always read this like it was the story about how to be a good neighbor. That's what we think it's about. But my, my friend Matt, he's a rabbi, he's a messianic rabbi. He, he taught me something, that this is not about being a neighbor. It's about not trying to trap God. But that's what so many of us are trying to do. And it's why so many of us are exhausted, why we're overwhelmed, why we're stressed out. Because the minute that Jesus walks in, you start working. You've been trying to make penance your whole, you can't make up for the things you did. Nothing that you will ever do in your own power will ever make restitution for the things that you did. The minute that Jesus comes in the room, you got your arms folded. You start trying to serve him, start trying to earn his love with your works. But with your works, you're trying to trap him into giving you what he already gave you before you got so distracted by all the other stuff. Jesus said, why are you so worried about so many things? Only a few things are needed really just once, and that is your acceptance of who I am. I know you're exhausted. I know you're overscheduled, overwhelmed, under pressure. I know you're stressed out, strung out, you're totally shot. But if you'll shift your priorities, God will shift your perspective and help you be a Mary in a Martha world. So let me leave you with with something practical to make this switch in your year, but most importantly in your life. I want to give you two steps to slowing your roll. The first is this. It's prayer. Let me tell you something about fasting. If you're going to do this fast with us, you can't fast and not pray. If you fast without praying, you're on a diet. Fasting and prayer go hand in hand. They're symbiotic. And so if you want to make this shift to become a Mary and a Martha world in 2020 and for the rest of your life, you've got to become a person who prays, which we've complicated. We've made prayer so unattainable. Prayer is not complicated. It's a conversation. It is talking to God. That's all prayer is. You can talk to God however you want. I talk to God different than Pastor Sonny talks to God because I talk to people different than Pastor. Can you imagine Sonny using my slang? She'd look silly. I just talk to God the way I talk to you. Sometimes I yell at God. Sometimes I insult God. You you ain't even there. God's like, why are you so lucky I'm not you? Have you seen the new Star Wars? Emperor Palpatine all over your face, fool. And I'll be like, God, my bad. I'm sorry. You ain't answering me. God's like, I am answering you. Shut your mouth and listen. You know, so... I talk to God however I talk to God. You talk to God however you talk to God. You don't got to kneel. You don't got to have a special place. If you want to do that, that's fine. But prayer is just talking to God. Here's the second step to slowing your roll is meditation. We've made meditation weird. Meditation is not New Age or Buddhist. Meditation is listening to God. My pastor, Dr. Buntain, he said, Christians are real good at talking, but we're not real good at listening. Our mouths are moving before God's mouth is done. 
you need to take some time and listen. Stop all the nonsense. Stop banging those pots. Stop clanking that ice. He didn't ask you to serve. He didn't ask you to work. He asked you to speak and listen. Can you do that today? Can you be a Mary and a Martha world? Can you talk to God and listen to God? To do that, you're going to need to shut some things down. You're going to need to shut some things off. And you're just going to need to slow your roll. Would you close your eyes all across this place? Slowing your roll. That's salvation. Salvation in a nutshell is realizing that you're not in control. Taking your hands off of the control functions, taking your hands off the wheel and letting God be God. I wonder if you've never let God be God in your life. That is the core of salvation. It is saying that, that God, I will do whatever it is you want me to do. So I wonder if you're here and you say, Sean, I, I've never received Jesus as my, like in the church world we say, receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And what that means is when you let someone be your Lord, that means you let them be in control. When you say you want someone to be your savior, that means you want someone to rescue you. So if you need to be rescued, and if you need someone else to be in control of your life, Jesus is waiting. So this morning, we're going to give you opportunity to do that, and we're going to do that by doing two things, confessing and professing. You say, well, what does that mean, Sean? Con confessing means admitting that you're a sinner. Professing is you admitting that only He can rescue you. So if you're here, and you say, I need to confess and profess, we're gonna give you opportunity to do that. Here's how. In just a moment, I'm gonna ask with nobody looking around for people who need to receive Jesus to in just a moment, raise their hand and make eye contact with me. Once you've made eye contact with me, you can put your hand down. That will be your way of confessing that you are a sinner. And then we're gonna give you opportunity to profess that Jesus can save you by you repeating a prayer after me along with everyone else in this place. And that's it. So if you're here and you say, Sean, I need to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior with no one looking around, would you raise your hand and make eye contact with me today? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thanks, 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 thank you, thank you, thank you, thanks, thank you, thanks, 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 thank you, thank you, thank you, thanks, thanks, okay, thanks. I'm going to ask everyone in here to say these words after me. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Come into my life. Change me. Make me different. Make me new. Be my Lord and be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, if you prayed that prayer and you believed it in your heart, Scripture says that you are saved. Now you've been changed. You're not perfect, but you begin a journey away from who you are toward who Jesus wants you to be, which is more like Him. We want to walk that journey with you. So if you'd help us with that, if you take that hello card that we talked about earlier, tear off the bottom part, fill in whatever information you're okay with us having. Check the box that's highlighted in yellow that says I'm choosing to follow Jesus. You can either put that in the black buckets while they come around in a minute, or you could take them out to the Welcome Center. Either way, we just want the chance to pray for you. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes again. Don't leave yet. We're not done. we got a couple of other things that we're going to do. But I wonder if you're here and you're saying, Sean, I'm a Jesus guy or I'm a Jesus girl. But I have not been making Jesus my priority. You got a lot of other things that have been your priorities, but you say, you know what? Particularly in the beginning of this new year, I would like to make him my top priority. If that's you with nobody looking around. Would you raise your hand today in this place? Yes, 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 yes. God, we love you. Thank you for my friends who are in this place. Help us, make us, mold us into 
who you want us to be. And we'll love you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.